0: Happy New Year and welcome to another episode of the Christian Baptist Podcast. I am your host and servant in Jesus Christ, Paladin Actual. Today I wanted to talk about something that Lutherans are often accused of, at least in particular I, I, I have been, and it's stubbornness. It is Lutheran stubbornness. It is this idea of why do you Lutherans always act like you're better than us? Why do you act like your doctrine needs to, needs to be present constantly, that your doctrine is right and all other doctrine is inferior or, or wrong? Well, I mean, the fact of the matter is, straight off the bat, if you don't believe that the doctrine that your denomination teaches is right, then you need to consider another denomination— you should believe that your denomination has the clearest, best understanding of doctrine out of all the possible options. This is why it's important to to kind of study not only what your denomination believes and teaches, but also what other denominations do as well. And obviously, (laughs) to be studying what the Bible teaches, so that way you know which, which teachings are good, which teachings are bad, which teachings are accurate, which teachings maybe go in their own sort of direction. Now, this comes up because... This is uh, this is a problem that exists in in the chaplaincy. This is a problem that exists in uh, schools, Christian schools. This is a problem that exists anywhere that you have different denominations, different different well, I'm not even going to say different religions. Let's just get that out out. Different denominations within Christianity. And a lot of the time, Lutherans, I mean proper Lutherans will insist on You know, they're Lutheran distinctives and are called out on this on, you know, why don't you, I'll give you an example. Somebody's visiting the church. This hasn't happened recently, thankfully, but somebody visits a Lutheran church and they want to receive communion. And the Lutheran pastor goes and talks to him, you know, in the the two minutes before the service starts and says, hey, are are you a confirmed member of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod in good standing? Now, this person says, well, no, I'm not. I'm a Baptist, but I'm a Christian just like you, and I am going to receive communion, or I would like to receive communion. The Lutheran pastor, doing his due diligence, says, well, uh, we would ask you that you you please refrain from receiving communion today. Uh, Give us some time to to talk about our beliefs and stuff, because we believe, among other things, that, you know, when you come and you receive communion, that you are confessing that you believe the same thing as, as, you know, the church that you're receiving communion in, which would be an LCMS church. So you as a Baptist, don't agree with LCMS doctrine. I mean, obviously you agree with Baptist doctrine, right? That's that's the whole point in calling yourself a Baptist. So because we do not agree in our doctrine, we would ask that uh, for today you please refrain from receiving communion. You're welcome to receive a blessing at the railing, etc. Now this Baptist is in a huff. How dare you? How dare you, Lutheran? How dare you exclude me from... From, from communion. I know I reject that, you know, that the Lord's Supper is indeed the body and blood of Jesus. I reject that, uh, that the Lord's Supper forgives sins, but how dare you exclude me from this practice? How dare you not accommodate my beliefs at your institution, even though they're, you know, contrary to each other in, in this aspect? Now, there, there are plenty of agreements. There's plenty of very important agreements between Baptists and, and Lutherans. But in this case— the Baptist comes into the Lutheran Church and says, I, desi- I demand, in fact, I demand to be accommodated to my beliefs. I demand that you allow me to receive communion at your church, even though I don't agree with what you're teaching. I want communion, and you have no right to, or you are wrong, to refuse communion to me, to, to, to not welcome a fellow Christian brother. Now, this is also the case um this is also the case with institutions and schools and 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 chaplaincy and I, since i'm a since I'm an army chaplain, this is something that thankfully I haven't had to deal with too much because one of the nice things about being in the military is that you're allowed to be a, at least a little bit obnoxious it, it, i mean if you were in the military and you didn't know this and your rank doesn't doesn't allow you to get away with this then then Just be polite to everyone. But for those of us who are are officers and those of us who are chaplains, there is actually an expectation that you put your foot down and you say, look, as a Lutheran chaplain or as a Roman Catholic chaplain, as a Jewish chaplain, whatever, I teach doctrine according to my denomination, according to my faith specifically. As I mean, this is actually what is expected of of chaplains in the military, although it often doesn't happen. A lot of times chaplains are treated by their—and again, this is not an accusation against against my unit or my commander. They've actually been wonderful um, in understanding my role as a chaplain. But in some units, chaplains are expected to— to accommodate other de- denominations, other religions, uh, as though they don't have, you know, they don't have any right to claim that they have uh, the-, the closest understanding of truth. So, as a Lutheran, a hypothetical example, this has thankfully never happened to me. Hypothetical example: As a Lutheran, uh, let's say I've got a commander who comes to me and says, "Hey, we've got these. uh, Let's who we're going to pick on. Let's pick on Methodists. We've got these Methodists. There's for whatever reason, it's a whole (laughs) it's a whole unit full of Methodists. We've got these Methodists, and and you're their chaplain, so you need to give them communion." Now, as a Lutheran pastor, I'm not allowed to give communion to other denominations or to people. Uh, I mean, even people within the LCMs. There's some restrictions. For example, if you haven't been through confirmation, um, if if I haven't talked to you beforehand, if you know, yeah. So there's restrictions on who I'm allowed to allow to commune. But the commander says, "Hey, you have to stop being so stubborn. You have to commune this other denomination. All of these, all of these Methodists that we have in our." EOD (laughs) or whatever, whatever in our finance group or whatever, you have to give them communion. Well, I say, you know, as a Lutheran, I'm not, I I can't give them communion. They're they're not Lutherans. I can only give communion to Lutherans. Well, you're being stubborn. Why don't you just accommodate somebody else? um, uh, Somebody else's beliefs. Now, again, as, as, as a chaplain, there's responsibilities that if I cannot provide something, if I cannot perform something myself, I'm, I, I will do my best to provide it. I cannot perform. I don't know what they, the, a Muslim imam would do what their service is called. I can't perform one of those things, but I can, if I have a Muslim in my, uh, in, uh, in my unit, I can try to find them an imam who can accommodate them. Um, so thankfully the military, at least legally uh, allows for a Lutheran to be a Lutheran, but there's often this expectation that it is wrong. It is stubborn. It is, Divisive for Lutherans or for any denomination. Actually, Lutherans get picked on more than more than other denominations for for whatever reason. I, I have I have never I have never encountered somebody you know complaining that a Roman Catholic will not give a Baptist communion. I have never ever heard of somebody complaining that a Roman Catholic school, a Roman Catholic private school, will not teach Baptist doctrine, or will not uh, again a not commune commune baptists or whatever you know people who come to their school who are not who are not roman catholic who, not, who did not profess profess the uh, the the faith of the roman catholics it's weird it's weird that it's it's it seems like i mean i know that there's other denominations who might suffer from this but lutherans they want to stick to their guns but everyone else says well you're protestant just accommodate general non denominational practices teachings uh, and and beliefs in fact, if Lutherans do things too specifically Lutheran, they may be accused of being too Catholic. <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean you're going to baptize babies? That's too Catholic. I said, like, well, th- no, that's biblical. <laughs> uh, what do you mean you're going to, you know, the, it's the real body and blood of Christ? That's too Catholic. Well, no, that's biblical. Incense! It's too Catholic. Oh, that's that's also, that's also there's incense in the Bible as well. Um so the reason this comes up is 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 I was having some conversations with with people about about the expectation. Um, so I talked about I talked about chaplaincy. Another example is is Lutheran schools, and this is something that I've talked to um, pastors who have dealt with and been involved with with Lutheran schools around uh, around the country. Now, a Lutheran school is a school in theory, a parish school. This is a school that is either I I would say one of two things, but uh, sometimes it's a blend of the two. Either this is a mission outreach tool from the church to the community, where they're inviting people to come to the school and learn the Lutheran faith, uh, as well as, you know, teach them reading, writing, arithmetic. Um, Or this is a way to support the the, the Lutherans in the congregation, to give them a school to go to in the congregation. The bizarre thing, though, the bizarre pattern seems to be that Lutheran schools seem to be less and less distinctively Lutheran, whereas a Lutheran church, you might be able to get away with saying, look, we confess that, you know, the Bible is inerrant, infallible, and inspired. Uh, We confess that the Lutheran confessions are, you know, the Book of Concord, um, the unaltered Augsburg Confession, that this is a true... Explanation of Scripture. We will abide by the teachings of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod in the church. But the moment you do that in the school, all of a sudden all these all these alarms go off and all these eyebrows are raised. And it's it's well, you know, there's all kinds of different people at the school. There's not just Lutherans at the school. We, you know, we have to we have to take into consideration that there's plenty of non Lutherans attending the school. Well, you wouldn't do that if non Lutherans came and attended your church, would you? You wouldn't say, okay, well, just because all of, you know all of the Methodist finance. Uh, soldiers came to my my Lutheran church. All of a sudden, I'd have to start preaching, or I'd have to start singing Methodist hymns, or I'd have to start teaching Methodist doctrine, or you know whatever Methodists do. Um, it's 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 bizarre. It's bizarre that this is that this is seen as as stubbornness, as seen as you know intolerance or divisiveness for Lutherans, for Lutheran teachers, for Lutheran principals, for Lutheran pastors and churches that are attached to schools for them to say look we're a lutheran school we need to teach lutheran doctrine we need to we need to follow you know the religion that we claim to be if we're claiming to be a lutheran church we need to follow the teachings of you know that lutheran body if we're claiming to be a lutheran school Likewise, we need to be following the teachings of that Lutheran body. If this is an LCMS school, it should be teaching LCMS doctrine. If this is an LCMS church, it should be following LCMS communion practices. There shouldn't be grape juice instead of wine. There shouldn't be open communion. You know, there, should be, there shouldn't be altar calls. Um, <laughs> there, there should be, you know, proper, proper Lutheran practice and doctrine. Now, in all of this, I want to say that, that there's a case to be made for this sort of stubbornness. This is seen as negative. This is this is regularly seen as negative. And again, logically, it baffles the mind because once again, you wouldn't go into a synagogue with a ham sandwich and say, "Hey, why don't you accommodate my beliefs at your institution?" For any other denomination, any other religion, why why is it that Lutherans feel an obligation to accommodate the beliefs? of of other denominations. Now again, here here is me, here is me sounding uh, sounding pompous. I do believe that the LCMS, that the Lutheran Church has the best understanding and explanation of scripture and Christianity. So that being said, why would I want to give something inferior to my congregants? Why would I want to give something inferior to my students, to my soldiers, to anybody that I have the authority to kind of to to, to give doctrine to, to practice my faith? Why would I want like even even saying well, well let's just be accommodating? Why would I want to give somebody something lesser if I if I love them and if I care about them? So as 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 people who are involved, if you're if you're a, a parent and you've got students at a Lutheran school, if you're a member of a congregation, if you are a military member, and there's a, a Lutheran chaplain that. I really do think you need to be encouraging that school. You need to be demanding of that school, of that congregation, of that chaplain, that if you're going to be Lutheran, then be Lutheran. Don't don't be wishy washy about it. Don't try to blend in and say, well, we don't want to stand out too much. Uh, we don't want to stand out too much from the other churches. We want to be we want to be what is it seeker sensitive? Is that what the term is? Oh, that's such a stupid term. One of these hippie terms. Seeker sensitive, we want to be available. We want we want people to come into our church and 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 to feel comfortable. Um, it's interesting, I heard I'm trying to remember who it was. It might have been Pastor Peterson or somebody else. Somebody was talking about an explanation that a church that a church can be either like an airport or it can be like a house. It can be like a home. Now at an airport, nobody's really particularly comfortable. Like nobody wants to stick around there, but everybody's comfortable enough going to an airport. There's nothing too offensive at an airport. You go there, you do your business, you go you get on a plane, you leave. You have no intention of living at the airport. You have no intention of, you know, spending more time than you have to at the airport. It's just something you have to do, some someplace you have to go, uh, and it's not too objectionable, and it doesn't accommodate anybody too much, so it doesn't exclude anybody. And you leave, and a church can be like that. A church can be a big box store. It can be a big Walmart where everybody walks in and everybody's comfortable and everybody knows, you know, what aisle the 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 cocoa pebbles are in. But you know, there's nothing there's nothing too specific about it. No, you're, you know, you're not going to find anything too too unique there, too uncomfortable. Now the the other version of a church, instead of an airport, is like a home. If you go to somebody else's home. You don't know where their junk drawer is, or where their drawer, where they have all of this, you know, their paper clips and their pins and whatever. Everybody's got one and it's, and it's a different place in every house. You don't know where they put their silverware. You could probably guess. You don't know why, why do they take off their shoes when they come inside? What are all these, these customs and traditions that, they, that they're doing? Why does it look like this? This doesn't, I mean, there's pictures on the wall of people that I don't know that I'm not familiar with. These sorts of things. Now to you as an outsider coming into a home, it is uncomfortable it is weird. It's, it's, it's not what you're used to. It's unique, specific to the people who live there. Now to the people who call that house their home, on the other hand, yes, it is unique. It is different. It does stand out, but it's home. It's, it's, it's the place you want to be. It's a place you want to go back to. It's a place you want to return to. And the more and more that, that, that Christian churches, that Lutheran churches try to be kind of general Protestant, general non-denominational, general Christian, general accommodating. uh, Let's just play songs that, that, that the Christians hear on the radio that they're familiar with, rather than theologically rich hymns that maybe they're not familiar with. Let's just... Let's not do liturgy. Let's not do vestments because they're going to be too concerned about that. They're going to come in and, and think things are weird because the, the pastor's wearing a chasuble or something like that. Let's be as generic as possible, as accommodating as possible. And as a result, these churches end up being airports. People come in for a period of time and they find there's nothing special there and they leave. Uh, and it's great. You can get people in the doors of airports very easily. Lots of people come through airports, but very few people stay in airports, unless you're Tom Cruise in, uh, in Lost in Translation. Or not, not Tom Cruise, what is it? Tom Hanks in, <laughs> in Lost in Translation. But what you want, I think, and this is what this is what I would encourage, what you want is you want your church to be, to be a home. This will be weird to other people who aren't familiar with your home. This will be weird to other people who come in and say, why do you do that? Why do you have that? Or if you insist on things in our house, I mean, not in our house. Our house is a pigsty but in some people's house like hypothetically say you so you you have people over to your house and in your house there's a rule that you take off your shoes at the you know in the mudroom or at the foyer or whatever you take off your shoes when when you're in the house you don't track in things on the carpet you enforce that tradition maybe your guests might be a little uncomfortable at first but it's, it's your house. You should be proud to enforce that tradition. Likewise, at a Lutheran church, at a Lutheran school, you should be proud to enforce the traditions of that Lutheran church, of that Lutheran school, of that teaching. Here at this Lutheran school, we teach that God is bodily present in, in, in the bread and the wine. We teach that children are to be baptized because they're part of God's covenant for salvation, and God's covenant for salvation commands baptism. We believe, you know, these, these things that are Christian, that are Lutheran, that are specific to us. We don't need to say, well, come in and do whatever you want. You wouldn't do that, at some, you know, when you're inviting people to your house. Why would you do that when you're inviting people to your church or your school? Come in and believe whatever you want. No, no, no. People are coming to your school. People are coming to your church. People are coming to you as a chaplain because of, because of who you are and what you have to offer. Now, in, in all of these things, in all of these things, it it can be discouraging. I, I get it. It can be very discouraging because you're the you're the outlier. You're the you're maybe painted as the one who's who's not willing to accommodate the person. The stranger comes in off the street. The uh, the Methodist who comes in off the street and says he wants communion. You're seen as as somebody who's turning people away from communion. I get that. It's uh, it, it can be tough to say. Well, you know, I I appreciate that you feel that way, but for this Sunday at least. I would welcome you to come up to the communion rail to cross your arms over your chest and receive a blessing, but you will not be receiving communion today. You you know, if you'd like to receive communion, then we can continue to have these talks and maybe we can go through the catechism and you can learn more about the beliefs here, et cetera, et cetera. That can be a difficult conversation to have. It can be much easier to just be like, oh, the Methodists are here again. All right, just give them communion and give them out the door. <laughs> but that's not being responsible to your, you know, to the members, to the visitors or to the Uh, to the doctrine that you're supposed to be teaching. It could be a lot easier if you're a chaplain and just say, well, you know what? Yeah, I'm a Lutheran chaplain, but eh. general Protestant chaplain. I just do that. I'll just do communion because all the, all the Baptists, um, all the non-denominational evangelicals, they are all all the soldiers or whatever. They don't know the difference anyway. So I'll just give them communion. I'll give them what they're used to. I'll give them some generic um, Ted talk Bible story thing uh, and I'll send them on their way. And, That's the easiest easiest way to do things. It's also the laziest way to do things. And you're not called to be lazy if you're at any position of authority over any sort of Christian institution. If you're the pastor, if you're the chaplain, you're not called to be lazy. God's not just having you in the office to, to, to keep a seat warm. You're called to do a specific job, and you need to be trying to do it to the best of your ability. Now, again... If this is if you're a pastor, if this if you're in charge of a congregation, if you're in charge of a school, if you've got a school attached to it, you need to be going out of your way to fight to fight that good fight, saying, "Look, we are a Lutheran school. We are going to be teaching Lutheran doctrine at this school. We are going to have we're going to have Lutheran teachers uh, at best, maybe at maybe at, and this is debatable, you know." Uh, at worst, we're going to have teachers who are willing to at least say, look, I'm not a Lutheran, but this is what the Lutheran Church teaches, or I'm not a Lutheran, so I'll pass your question on to, you know, a teacher who's qualified to answer this question. There needs to be, there needs to be consistency, accountability, intentionality. It feels like that's like my catchphrase now, is, is, is harping on intentionality in, in Christianity, and it'll come across as smugness. It'll come across as stubbornness. It'll come across as as Lutherans acting like they're better than everybody else. And okay, so what? So what? Suck it up. <laughs> That's people are people are not going to like that you're going to you're sticking to your guns that you're sticking to your convictions. But you have to do it. It is your responsibility to do it. You can't abdicate that responsibility just because you want to be lazy or because it's hard or because it'll make you unpopular. It's You have to be stubborn. You have to be a stubborn Lutheran. You have to say, I'm a Lutheran. As Lutherans, we believe, dot, dot, dot. We confess, dot, dot, dot. We practice, dot, dot, dot. You have to stick to your guns. As unpopular as it might make you. Anyways, all of this rant, I don't think I quoted a single Bible verse in any of this, but all of of this to say that, really, if you don't believe that your denomination is teaching the truth, Find the denomination that is, and when you find that denomination, be be willing to die on the uh, on those theological hills. Be willing to say, "Look, I will stick to my guns because this this denomination teaches the truth, and I absolutely, and this is how I know. This is how I can back it up with scripture. This is how you know I can back it up with the confessions, the explanations, and stuff like that. This this denomination is teaching the truth, and I will not compromise on the truth just because it's easier to do so. Be a, be a stubborn Lutheran." Do it be stubborn. Be stubborn for the right reasons. Be you know loving, speak the truth, truth and love. There's a Bible verse for you. Speak the truth and love. But be stubborn about it. Be willing to, to, to put your foot in the ground and say, look, I'm not going to compromise on this small point. Because the moment I compromise on this small point, then I'll be willing to compromise on the next small point, the next small point. And that's how you erode away, you know, good foundational Lutheran doctrine is, is years or decades of compromising on one small point after another for the sake of convenience. You have to be obnoxious. You have to be the one who who, who stands the ground and, and says, well, no, no, we're not going to use a Bethel slash Hillsong song in our congregation. We're not going to use this contemporary worship in the congregation. Yes, the doctrine on this particular song might be okay, but this is not appropriate for church. We're not going to pay uh, churches that teach outright heresy. We're not going to pay them royalties to use their songs uh, just because it's going to make people feel more accommodating. It's you know stand up stand up for the for for your lutheran distinctives be a stubborn lutheran loving but stubborn in any case happy new year uh, welcome back and god bless you all